Welcome to The Raw Nerve, the official podcast of MS Australia, a conversation space for all things multiple sclerosis. Join us for news and views on the latest research, treatments and advocacy efforts, as well as candid and informative interviews with our community, those living with MS and their families and carers, together with leading clinicians, researchers and advocates. Hello, I'm Phil O'Neill. Thank you for joining us on the MS Australia Raw Nerve podcast. Our guest today is the lead singer of a band that formed in Portland, Oregon in 1991. Their first three albums all went platinum. The single that we all know, Santa Monica, was the number one Billboard Rock Charts number one single for three weeks. They've sold over six million records, nominated for a Grammy Award in 1998. They're about to tour Australia. The band is Everclear. The lead singer is Art Alexakis. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Podcast, my friend. Oh, thank you, Phil. Thanks for having me. This is special. Thank you for asking me to do this. I want to show you a photo, which I'll also put on the MS Australia Facebook page. Is that 2020? 2017. That's you and I having a chat before a radio interview that we did in 2017. And what I find is interesting about that is we've known each other off and on over 30 years. But I didn't know at that stage. I just had a really big secret just as you had a really big secret, we'd both been diagnosed with MS just before that interview, and yet neither of us knew that about each other. So that's interesting. That's really interesting. When were you diagnosed? In 2016. Me too. I was Mm. diagnosed in April of 2016. I got into a car accident. No one got hurt, but I... A couple weeks later, I had a pinched nerve in my neck, and I called my mm. orthopedic surgeon. He's like, I'll set you up for an MRI. Go get an MRI. I'll see where it's at, and I'll give you an epidural, and I'll loosen it up. I'll be fine. I went and got the MRI. I show up in his uh, examination room, and there's like five guys in there <laughs> with like white coats and clipboards, and I'm like, oh. As I walk in, check this out. As I walk in, they all like go. They all look at me like that and stop talking. I'm like, yeah. Oh. Okay, this is actually probably more serious than I initially thought. I walked out to my car. I called my wife, FaceTimed my wife. We both started crying. We were scared. I had no idea what the hell MS was. For all I knew, it was what Jerry Lewis had telethons for. I, mm-hmm. I didn't know. Time I got home, about an hour later, my wife had her computer out, my computer, my daughter's computer. Looked like she was trying to hack into like Fort Knox or something, you know? And she's like, baby, we got this. And since then, I I would tell friends and family, and if people brought it up or I saw someone in a wheelchair, I'd go talk to them if they had MS, I'd relate to them. But I wasn't ready to be public about it. And then I started working on a, a solo record in 2018 that I put out in 2019. And I wrote a song called The Hot Water Test. I knew that people were going to know. For the people that don't know, and for the uninitiated like me, who yeah. I you know, thought I knew so much about this, uh, this goes back 1800s. They diagnosed for MS by putting people in a hot water bath. They would wrap them up in burlap and then put them in 100 degree, 120 degree water. And it was either called the hot water test or the hot bath test. If they exhibited symptoms, I felt coming out and being vulnerable about this disease and the acceptance of this disease was kind of like a hot water test of, of my own. And I'm sure you've experienced something similar to that. When I first came out, I wrote a letter to my uh, my social media, to the 250,000 people who were on our social media, and it went viral. And I started getting requests for Rolling Stone, Variety, Good Morning America, People wanted to talk to me about it. And that's when I came out and I started being more active, activist about 
MS. Like you, I went home with my wife and I cried for about 10 hours. Uh, but I didn't do what you did. I didn't Google because I was afraid to go on and find out what was going to happen. It was only when I started the journey that I became more aware of what MS is and, and what it does. And I think that if my personal advice would be to anybody, educate yourself. Absolutely. It's a lot less scary when you know the parameters and what other people are going through and when you really get in and understand what a lot of the research is, is mm. uncovering and, and that the, the protocols out there that can help you diet, exercise, medication. When I was down there last time, I had MS, but it's really hot there in the summertime. I had a bunch of outside shows, which were difficult to play. This time, most of our shows are inside, so that's good. And how does it affect you in terms of your performances on stage and also how, as far as the progression is concerned, how different is your life now to it was pre-diagnosis? Oh, God, that's a question that's going to take a minute to answer. How does it affect me on stage? When I get hot, like most people with MS, I get body spasms, muscle spasms, my leg kicks. I feel inflamed. I feel what I call feeling MSE, where mm. I just feel that just pins and needles pain all over my body. I feel overheated. I get very testy. I can get angry easily. I can get fatigued. That usually fatigue. And I get a lot of confusion. It's it's hard to focus when I'm hot. I read a really interesting meme, actually. It said that, uh, and it was from a, an MS website, and it said, not everything is MS. And I guess you start to learn about your body, but in the initial stages, your first reaction is, you know, am I having a relapse? Is this MS? And you want to tend to blame everything on that. It's not until later on that you realize that your body does things anyway. Well, absolutely. And I'm 60 years old. We've got a lot of that to blame as well, being mm -hmm. 60 years old. I haven't been the best in my body in my life. The last 33 years of sobriety, I've been much better. But before that, I was I did horrible things to my body. So I think you're right. It's a large part of that. But I, I find that they're interlocked and they, they affect each other. Case in point, when I got COVID January of 21, I was on a medication that was an immunosuppressant. It suppressed your immune system. Yep. So that left me wide open to getting COVID being really bad to me. Now I'm on a medication that's an immunomoderator. It's much better. I got COVID when I was over in England just about two months ago, and I kicked it in four days. I missed one show, and I kicked it in four days. Yeah. I think that when you have MS, when you're older, you just have to be very cognizant of everything that you're doing and that's going on because... I, I feel like I'm a big jigsaw puzzle with loose mm. pieces, you know, mm. trying to mm. hold it together. And that's the thing about MS. It is a jigsaw puzzle. And your COVID experience was quite frightening for you, though. And I know when COVID came on the scene, for a lot of us with MS, our first thought was, well, I hope we don't get a relapse as a result of that. Did you end up getting a relapse as a result of your COVID? Oh, God. It, it was so bad that it progressed my COVID. I got three new lesions, and all of them became inflamed, and mm. I was having really bad side effects. And my neurologist at the time was like, oh, it'll probably calm down. I'm like, probably calm down? No. I went to a new neurologist. She put me on the medication I'm on now. It's a once-a-month infusion. 
I feel pretty good. Obviously, a testament to that is the fact that you can do a grueling tour with a band, uh, and doing a tour with a band is like getting in the ring and doing boxing, obviously without the punches, but you know, doing some really well, physical activity. We, <laughs> the touring that goes with that as well, the grueling. in and out of hotels, totally grueling. So how different is your touring schedule? Do you space the period between the shows, or is it just business as usual? Business as usual. It gives me a sense of urgency because... I feel like I have to work as much as I can now because one, I don't know how long I'll be able to, people want to pay money to see Everclear. And mm. two, I don't know how long I'll be able to do this. Right now, I feel like I could do it for another 10, 15 years. Sure. Who knows? There's a sense of urgency where I have to work as much as possible. So we had our biggest year in 20 years last year. We, we played 90 shows already with Australia and all the shows we have booked as of right now, we've already got 49 shows booked. That's the thing about um, you know the diagnosis with MS. Once you get your head around it, then you suddenly realize that your life does have a sense of urgency, doesn't it? And you start doing things that previously you hadn't done. I mean, I'd wanted to get my motorcycle license since I was 17. I'm now doing it You know, at 60. All of a sudden, you have this real different appreciation of time. Absolutely. Uh, appreciation of the lack of time. Mm. I think. And that's good because I'm very grateful. I have a lot of gratitude. I'm very connected to uh, my sober uh, fellowship and community, which I was before, but not as much. And because I always had a problem with meetings, physical meetings, like when I lived in Portland, Oregon, more of a smaller town, and I was kind of a big fish in a small town, people would break my anonymity all the time. Right. And yeah. yeah. It, it just made me like, man, I don't want to do this. So now in 2020, I found Zoom AA meetings and it's like mind blowing. I have a wonderful fellowship of guys who are in the business, not just musicians, but producers, actors, artists, crew guys, guys that we can all relate to that we we know a lot of the same people. And I, I hope to reach out and meet some people in the MS community too while I'm down there. I try to do that. I did that when I was in the UK. I like to do that down there as well. Have people reached out to you since they found out about your diagnosis? And what kind of questions do you get from people? Almost every day. Almost right. every day. I have people come up to me in Starbucks and like, are you the guy? You're art, right? And I'm like, yeah. And you, you have that mess. I'm like, yes, I do. You don't have to whisper it. It's okay. (laughs) Well, that's it. People don't quite know how to react when they find out initially. And that was the same thing with me with my diagnosis. I thought, I don't really want to know how to tell people because I don't know how they're going to react to that. Yeah, that's one of the main reasons I didn't tell anybody for about Mm. three years. And then you find that people are fine with it and are interested. I I found out that a friend who I talked to a couple times a week, I used to work with him as a colleague, but we were still really good friends. We talked often, and I had no idea that he got diagnosed in 2014. I had no idea. I think it's one of those things when you go back, when you know, you look back and say, okay. That makes sense. You know, I was having a hard time walking five years before this. When, When they diagnosed me, he said by the look of my lesions that it looked like I had had it for minimum 20 years. Right. 20 years. I don't know how long what they said to you about your diagnosis, but that was amazing to me. But as I look back, I saw it creeping up as I got older, right? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. saw. Once you know the signs, right? I think that's true for a lot of people. And mm. you know, man, I respect because of my my experience in the twelve step program. 
I am huge on anonymity and I'm huge on what, whatever people feel like talking about. Mm. God bless you, man. Mm. You can tell me, well, this is, I'm asking for a friend, but mm. you know, <laughs> yeah. what are some of the symptoms of MS? I go, well, yeah. I find it really interesting as well with MS because like you, I don't want to be defined as the guy that has MS. I have MS, and I have a motto, I have MS, but MS doesn't have me. I certainly found this by sharing the fact that I've got it. It can really help other people, and that really is a blessing for me to be able to use what knowledge I've got, and also being able to use my profession on a platform like this. So in a lot of ways, you know, the sharing thing, imagine it gives you so much more as well and makes your life a lot richer. You and I are public people and mm. we choose to talk about it because we've seen that it's being of service to people. And that to me, I'm sure you find something similar, gives me the feeling that having MS has a bigger purpose than just something that happened to me. Yeah. It's something yeah. that I have that other people, the majority of other people don't have. And I have to integrate it into my life and to what I do. I'm not going to let it hold me down. I'm going to use it. I'm not going to, like you said before, I'm not going to say MS has me. I have MS. I'm going to control what happens to me. And one of the ways I can do it is how I eat and how I work out and taking my medication and getting rest, like making sure in the afternoon I have time for taking a nap. I get fatigued. Because yeah, you've got to prioritize, you don't you? You really do have to put all of your everything else aside and prioritize yourself. Oh, I'm really good at doing that because my wife has really helped me. Yeah, She's like, yeah. you know what? She'll call me. She goes, what are you doing right now? Go into your room. Turn off that stupid computer. Mm. Pull down mm. the shades. Yeah, my wife's the same. Lay, <laughs> lay in the dark for two hours. Well, I don't feel like I can sleep. Of course, once I do mm. that, I'm like... I mentioned my motto, and that is that I have MS, but MS doesn't have me. And there's loads of mottos that you have. One of the ones sure. that I noticed that you said that really um, you know, resonated with me as well is it doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down, it's how many times you pick yourself back up. And if not how you get knocked down, how you pick yourself up. Thank you. That's something that uh, I've had my whole life. I wrote a song called One Hit Wonder when we had a lot of success. A lot of people in Portland and different places were you know, calling us one hit wonder. And mm -hmm. instead of just accepting that or believing that, I just kind of gave them a big F you and I wrote a song about it. And the, the repeating line in that has become a mantra of my life column. They can't hurt you unless you let them. They can kill you. They can beat you. They can mm -hmm. do things to your body, but they can't make you the person inside. They can't give you pain unless you allow it. They, whoever the proverbial they are, they can't conquer you. They can't control you unless you let them. And that's something that I've never done. And I, I, I give that to my mom. My mom taught me tenacity. And, you know, my mom was a hillbilly. She's like, you want something, boy? You, just, you take a bite and don't let go. And I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And still at 60, I'm doing the same thing. Thank God uh, I still got my teeth, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, if only I had well, my hair. <laughs> it was probably, well, I'm missing, it. I'm missing yeah. a couple of teeth. Art, I really appreciate your honesty. We all do, and your strength. Thank you so much for being part of the MS Australia Raw Nerve podcast. Thank you so much, and same to you. Thank you for handling what you do and, and being of service to people with your broadcast and talking to people like me about it because, mm. uh, as you know, it does nothing but good. 
it takes the fear out of it for a lot of people when people like us can talk about it. Thank you so much. Same to you. Thanks for listening to The Raw Nerve, the official podcast of MS Australia. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast today at msaustralia.org.au forward slash podcasts.